0: gang welcome to your basket is empty a space where i sit down with the world's most interesting and insightful agency folks each bi-monthly episode is a 35 minute deep dive into their journey and how they are navigating the current digital landscape so if you're an agency founder operator or tech partner and you want to learn more about what it's like to start grow scale and work with an agency then you've come to the right place your basket is empty is also a bi-monthly industry newsletter that covers the most interesting ecom and direct consumer news interviews with original e-com thinkers, a jobs board, an event listing section, and a playlist. So if you're an ecom nerd or want to be nerd, go check that out at yourbasketisempty.com. On episode 65, I chat with Ollie Duffy Lee, the founder of Authority Agency, the agency that helps agencies attract and convert the high-value clients that they deserve. We discuss why building authority is key to any services business, how to pivot away from the referrals as your key lead generation source, the incredible power of positioning, why being a thinker is better than being a doer, how to produce consistently good content, why differentiation is the biggest challenge for agencies in 2023, AI's influence on the agency landscape, and why Notion is the GOAT when it comes to agency ops. Before we get into it, this podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over thirty thousand e-commerce brands. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started today for free by visiting klaviyo.com. Your basket is empty. That's k-l-a-v-i-o.com. Your basket is empty. Enjoy the episode. Ollie, welcome to the pod. How are you and where are you? Hey man, um, I'm great, dude.
1: I'm great. I'm really, really excited to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I am in my office in East Finchley in my house.
0: Nice. Okay. Uh, is Finchley
1: North London? It is. So uh, we've actually just moved back. We I grew up in North London uh, in a small place called Mill Hill and then when I was 18, left to go to Birmingham for uni and never left the Midlands. People will know this. If, if, you, if you spend a lot of time growing up in, in the UK, you'll know that once you leave London, it's almost impossible to come back without breaking the bank. So uh, it took me sort of 10 years, um, actually longer than that, like 13 years to get back here. And um, now we're back. Me and my wife are both from North London. So we're very, very close to my mum, her mum and my brother. And so, yeah, we're happy, man.
0: That's amazing. So uh, I always like to do a little bit of a rewind. So why did you decide to stop working in agencies and start working with them?
1: Um, Well, really, really simple, to be honest. I always wanted to run an agency. I I didn't want to always run an agency. I always wanted to run a business. And the agency I was at, it just is, although like my clients were bringing in a large majority of the, of the revenue, um, the opportunity just wasn't there, right? For me to have a piece of that. And so um, I left. And that's why I started this, really, just because you know, you want to start your own business and you kind of got to look at what you're good at. And the thing I was good at was helping agencies to find clients. And so that's what I started to do.
0: So yeah, I'm curious about that because we work in very similar circles. Why did you decide not to work with kind of a more traditional client? In that, you know, a brand or whoever the client would have been at some of the agencies that you were at. Like, why why go and be the uh, the agency for the agencies? It's that's a really good question,
1: and and honestly, I am still asking myself that question, and I don't, I'm not counting that out in the future. So, mm-hmm. like for my my skill set, definitely, when it, I was in an agency, was really like strategic external as well but mainly strategic internal communications and so we would do that we would run internal communications campaigns for massive companies like uh porsche uh volvo uh, many other international companies and it's a really good gig man (laughs) like it's a great space to be strategic internal communications because it's not flooded with agencies um it's really, really easy to develop a style and a strategy which transcends across lots of different clients. That's one of the things I really look for in an agency model is can I take one style, one strategy, and can I ad- adapt it, but can I scale it across uh, multiple clients? And yes, you can in internal comms. Um, so I would say that I wouldn't I wouldn't count out me doing that in the future. Um, but I think as well, what, what at the time... I kind of wanted to move away a little bit from from big corporate work some parts of big corporate work can feel a little bit i don't know disingenuous maybe um not not like totally like authentic in some ways and i would say i i had come at at that time i'd come off the back of a couple of big projects with companies where basically we were wrapping an internal communications campaign around transformation uh, in inverted commas, which basically means a lot of layoffs. And that that really didn't feel amazing. Mm. So uh, the complete other end of that was, okay, well, there's lots of these startup agency owners around. Also, we did this round about the start of 2020. So, you know, pandemic happened. And as much as lots of agencies suffered, a lot of people lost their jobs and they started agencies. Yep. And so I was just surrounded by lots of agency owners who were starting up, very skilled um technicians that had no idea how to find clients. And it just felt like, I had a really good solution to a problem which is all throughout this industry and um i haven't looked back man like i love working with with founders um and it feels like it feels like we're actually doing something really beneficial because we're helping people to make more money and change their lives basically
0: yeah that's so interesting man yeah i've got the exact same ethos i feel that the generally speaking the, the boring term for the clients that we work with, are professional services company, and we're a professional services yep. company, right? That, that's it. Law firm is exactly the same, really. Sell time. Yeah. And I think they're an underrepresented and undervalued type of business, right? I think there's a natural sort of like gravitation towards a product, right? Or a SaaS product, right? Because yeah. that's what you see in the headlines and that's all over TechCrunch. But I do feel that the sort of ethos of the agency is typically wrapped up in that technician or craftsperson. So there's like great craftspeople, great technicians, but then all the other shit that goes with running a business, people, getting business, (laughs) HR, finance is the bits that you know, they didn't necessarily sign up for. I mean, it's the classic Leadership agency model, well. all of that stuff, right? Like yeah. I've got, I don't think I can actually work with any agency clients that started like this, but I've definitely had chats with plenty. And I know plenty. It was like, we were freelancers and I asked them, oh, how did you start the agency? And it was like, oh, well, we took on loads of work and we we hired more <laughs> freelancers. And we, you know, fell into being this like, essentially a professional services people business. <laughs> you know, And then it's like, that's where you and I come, yeah. at, which is kind of interesting. But I, yeah. I'm keen to get into your model a little bit more. So, the authority agency model, like how does it work, and who is it kind of designed for? I would say
1: it's designed for any agency which isn't which is has less than fifty people in it. Because if you've got if you're an agency that's got over fifty people, you probably have cracked the code of. New business and probably have a big enough brand that you don't need to worry too much about marketing that much or new business streams outside of your your network so um less than 50 people agencies and essentially we we help people to grow their business and find clients i mean how many you know you know agencies as well as i do how many agencies are stuck just relying on referrals just relying on basically if someone in my network needs something i'll do it for them and they might refer me but that's really um unreliable especially in the context of January 2023 when everyone is worried about what's going to happen to the economy yeah yep. and so referrals dry up dude so yep. what we do is we we help people find um new clients the the way we do that is by helping them build authority and the simplest way i can say how we do that is through a very simple define attract to convert model and the attract and convert so like basically uh you know booking meetings and turning them to clients um that's pretty easy actually but the defined part i think is where we add most of our value <clears throat> and that basically is positioning so it's like mm. finding out like mm. the agency market is saturated I, i'm all for p- agencies starting up every every day but the, the honest truth is the world doesn't really need more agencies right now yeah. we, might need, we might need a few better agencies <laughs> I, I, I agree yeah. we don't need more like the world no. there's no shortage of agencies in the world yeah. right that's just yeah, true yeah, yeah.
0: agencies and, and people doing podcasts probably
1: exactly and so and here's where here's where it gets really interesting is okay we've got these hundreds of thousands of agencies now how many different types of category of agency can you name like maybe 25 if we look at like design agencies branding agencies pr communications internal comms if you're lucky you might be able to get 30 and so you've got this situation where hundreds of thousands of agencies Sorry, Siri wants to get involved there. That's right. She can jump on. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hundreds of thousands of agencies being crammed into 30 buckets. And so basically, the old school agency positioning of service-based positioning is completely broken. And most of the work we do uh, and the biggest factor, like success factor, I would say, is how well do we position the clients we have um, and how well do we differentiate them from every other agency out there?
0: That's so interesting. And... I suppose that leads me into, and this is probably part of it, but my take is that the the agency model is fraught with what I call like the hamster effect or the hamster wheel, right? Like they get into the hamster wheel quite easily and it's a tit for tat of revenue and headcount, right? So revenue, headcount, revenue, headcount, the service kind of dilutes and the profit dilutes, you know, and it's a really, really difficult model to be in. So Let's assume. Well, there's a question to you. How do they avoid the hamster? Well, do, does it go all the way back to the positioning? If that's super, super tight and super, super sharp, does that then flow through the rest of the business and it can make it just you know a much better operation?
1: So positioning can do. So the way I look at positioning is three things: target market, uh, like your authority and your offer. And what you're talking about there is basically offer and how that transcends into how do we deliver. So I think your 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 Point on the hamster wheels is fantastic. So it's like we get five more clients, we boost our revenue to 50K a month, and all of a sudden we have to spend 35K a month on expenses. Then we go to 100K a month, and all of a sudden we're spending 80K a month on expenses. So basically what's happening is risk is going up massively. Expenses are going up, but profit's sort of sluggish if it's going mm-hmm. up at all. In fact, mm-hmm. I know a lot of agency owners the profit went down. They were actually earning more personally when they were a solopreneur on 15K a month, and now they're doing yeah. 50. So yeah. that's the problem. Um, the interesting thing about the context of this is the problem is that um, delivery is, is expensive. So delivering stuff is expensive. Thinking up a strategy is not expensive from, from an expenses point of view. Delivering the strategy is expensive, okay? So what I mean by that is if, if say, we're an ad agency, you and I, and uh, we're ads ad agency for um, restaurants, uh, in like big restaurants and we need to fill all of their sites around the, around the country for us to think up that strategy you and I if we're good at what we do we could probably do it in a day in fact we've probably got a strategy in our back pocket which we know works yep. and we can sell that strategy to restaurants for a high price because it's going to get them a lot of um it's going to get them a lot of bookings but that hasn't cost us much to to actually deliver if all of a sudden we're the people who actually have to deliver the strategy as well we need media buyers we need designers we need copywriters we yep. might need developers. Um, that is expensive and that is is low profit margin. So the the answer to your question is how do agencies get off the hamster wheel is they start thinking like consultants and less like yes. agencies. Yeah, yeah, right? Totally. So totally. we need to sell what we're thinking and less about what we're doing. We look at that as the difference between head and hands. We need to sell the yep. head, not the hands. Yep. Interesting thing here, what happens about in this month? AI boomed, right? Yeah. So what does that mean for agencies? Well, that means all of a sudden robots ai are becoming equally good at the deliverable bit the expensive mm-hmm. part mm-hmm. as we are right not mm-hmm. the strategy bit, but the delivery bit so whether or not you want to get off the hamster wheel at all if you're an agency owner and you are investing heavily in deliverables now how you deliver the stuff think about how you can switch that round and sell more of the head and more of the strategy and less of the hands because in two two years time that's the head the hands is not going to be valuable i know this because my other agency world products we are an amazon agency we run hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of ads on amazon and we've never had an amazon media buyer for the last two years because we always use an ai tool Mm -hmm. so we know how efficient efficient that can be and Mm -hmm. once agencies learn how to harness ai properly it's not going to make it's not going to make sense to have a host of um a big studio of people to deliver your stuff
0: yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, we'll get onto ChatGPT chat GPT in a second. I, I do yeah. think it's it's an interesting dynamic and we're probably coming into a uh, peculiar next five to 10 years in terms of agency acquisition, therefore, because I think traditionally that's what the acquirers were looking for. They were kind of looking for the bulk. They wanted, you know, uh, when the agency I was at and we were selling, we'd got some advice that, you know, if we wanted to go to Accenture or Deloitte, they're not going to touch us unless we're 500 people. And that seemed a bit weird right what if you got 499 <laughs> shit people <laughs> what they're not going to touch you it just seemed bizarre right but i suppose it does it is interesting and and how does the agency acquisition or roll up or exit strategy look in the next 5 to 10 years when you've got this like base of like technology that's feeding the kind of the doing bit and i'm i'm a big proponent of what you suggest i feel that generally speaking taking chat gpt and ai out of it a a more efficient agency model is more of a consultative thinker, right? Because the thinking is unique. It can be enhanced by technology, but it's probably based mainly on experience and stuff like that, which you can't can't get elsewhere, you know, and that's what clients buy into, right? It's like, okay, yeah, you've been here, done this before, and you're going to challenge us on our assumptions and you're going to know what good looks like and, you know, be able to sort of capitalize on that.
1: I don't know. Do you know um, the book, uh, They Ask You Answer? Have you read that book?
0: no no i've not read that uh,
1: sort of quite like uh, a famous marketing book about content marketing um not especially amazing but marcus sheridan the the author has an agency model which i really like and basically what they do he has this idea this concept of they ask you one, and say it's basically an inbound marketing system and he did for a while he was the inbound marketing agency and they delivered all the stuff and what he said was um results were really hard to get and we know agency results are hard to get. It's like not guaranteed at all. Sometimes agency results work really well, sometimes not. What he does and what his team does is they help their clients to build an internal marketing team, which then delivers that, that marketing strategy for them in-house. Yep. Yep. And he says the results they've got are 10 times better. And also they charge pretty high premium agency fees for that. I think that's a nice model because you don't need to, to get loads and loads of delivery systems in there. You just have to be good at consulting.
0: Totally. Yeah. And there's uh, one of my clients kind of do something similar to that in the kind of uh, web sort of delivery space. And the idea ultimately is to build the original kind of technology, but empower that team to take it back internally, that kind of like land you expand exactly. and then you kind of yeah. parachute out. I think what's interesting in those models, and I've seen a few agencies do them. Um, the one I'm referring to is Rotate. There's another one called Plane Studio, who are a magnificent agency. I think in any of those models, the Pulling yourself away from that concept then becomes a bit of a challenge because it's that weird breakup period where they're like, okay, well, we've given you all the tools, we've built the yeah. thing, we got to get the fuck out of here now. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> how? You know what I mean? At what point yeah. does that that end? Obviously, that's just a, a process thing that you can work around. But you, content is an interesting uh, point that you made there. And mm-hmm. uh, as someone that consumes a lot of content and and I try to create some, I feel yours is like super super interesting, very unique. What's your process? How important is content in your businesses in your business and and how do you advise people in terms of like general content? i think I think contents the most important thing.
1: Uh, I think it's more important than all of the other outbound stuff that you might want to do, even more important than advertising because the truth is when people when people come across you, so any of that top of funnel activity you're doing, whether it's advertising or outreach, Most people nine times out of 10, if they, if they resonate with the ad, they don't click on the ad and they don't reply to the email, they go and check you out. And so if you've got a body of content on your LinkedIn or on your newsletter or whatever it is, that's just going to, that's just doing you so many favors. Right. So it doesn't like, don't expect that top of funnel stuff like that. That advertising campaign or that cold email campaign to do the whole to slam dunk for you just look at that as like getting people to know you and bringing you back to that place so for me that place is linkedin i just want anyone that knows me i want them to come and see me on linkedin and just check out my stuff forever um i think consistency is really important i mean i've yep. been posting every day five days a week for Three years now on LinkedIn. Fuck, um, that's mad. And, um, so,
0: let's just, I'm, I'm so curious about that because I was trying to do that and I got so burnt out. I had to have like a LinkedIn break. I was like, I got to break up with this thing for like a month. I just couldn't deal <laughs> with it. So how how do you do, so do you, you know, are you two out of the five days, it's just an on the cuff, like, off the cuff, rather, just like, hey, I'm just going to put some content out. Is it you've planned out every five days for a quarter, and you know exactly what you're going to be writing about? How, how do you do that? I'm really intrigued by that.
1: Okay, so so first of all, I've got to be super honest with you and tell you that my partner agency corogo is a personal branding agency, and so <laughs> I have someone that helps me with writing the content
0: for me. Okay, um, okay, which
1: which really really helps. Um, yeah, but, the, but, but okay, so
0: that's the thing. So like if if maybe that isn't your strong suit. Get help in is kind of a thing, right? Like, you know, it's really hard to do it yourself. Okay.
1: hundred percent. So one of the things like I'm pretty, I try to be as consistent as possible on TikTok and Instagram, but because I haven't outsourced that yet, guess what? Sometimes I miss a week and that's not good, Uh, right? The consistency on LinkedIn is so important, but the strategy um, is, and this is what like my advisors or my personal brand managers are always trying to tell me is you can't be all value. Like, I'm I'm super comfortable in giving value. I'm I'm a coach as well as a, a agency owner, so yeah, I could give value all day, right? That's that's my that's my comfort zone. But truthfully, people need they need a bit of personality. They want to see what you yep. who, what sort of person yep. you are, like what your views are, how you live your life, and also you need to have a little bit of like conversiony stuff in there as well. Yeah,
0: right? yeah I think yeah, that's yeah. what
1: a lot of people miss is they don't they don't ask enough. Like they don't ask, do you want to download my lead magnet? Do you want to come to my event? Do you want to have a meeting with me? Um and so a nice combination of those of those three things is really, really important. Since since we started doing more of the personal stuff, um, the engagement grew a lot actually.
0: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think that, that I mean it's probably uh, one could break it down to a relatively good framework for life is balance, right? Like not too much of True. one thing and not too much the other. But I, I like that idea. So you've kind of got like I suppose it's you know, getting back to some of the other stuff in terms of what you advise uh your clients on in terms of the positioning and being an authority on a thing i think if Mm -hmm. you're too scattergun then it can be like okay what's this person about they're talking about you know yeah climate climate one day and then they're talking about you know oil and gas (laughs) and fracking (laughs) the next i'm fucking confused (laughs) so having a a general like area that you're an expert in then the personality thing and then having some sort of yeah commercial kind of like sharpness to it so yeah definitely that's kind of like of savviness much... yeah savviness. So, do you, you, know, like do
1: you know the best example of this is david goggins right so you know david goggins yeah yeah um, yeah yeah. i know that guy the yeah. crazy navy seal so like yeah. david goggins i don't i don't care what time of day it is if i go into david goggins instagram he's going to be running he's going to be shouting at me like i just yeah. know that yeah and if at any day i turned up and he was just sitting on the couch sipping a coffee i'd be like what is going on <laughs> like is david Something all right happened.
0: yeah yeah what's
1: happened so like, and, and Goggins is huge. Like he's just launched his second book, sold millions of copies. Like this guy is successful and he's got one message, which is stay hard, never finished, right? Yeah. So don't think you need to come up with tons and tons of messages. Like we have we have pretty much one message which we hang everything on, which is as better to be an authority than to not. Mm-hmm. And the second message or the other messages are you need to have your positioning right, you need to have a lead gen system right, and you need to be good at sales. Yep. That's basically yep. it. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. We don't venture out of that, really. We might talk about pricing that's under the conversion bucket. We might talk about uh, different types of legion. that's under the legion bucket. But we don't venture out of our lane too much.
0: So I'm curious then, this is like, it gets even more meta as we think about it, right? Because your business is similar to mine, we work with agencies like a a professional service for professional service people, which is kind of strange in itself. But then if you were to take the lens of going internally, how do you internally run the agency? Do you have your own like, how do you build authority within your own agency? Are you running the program or the ethos that you tell and teach your clients internally? Is it kind of like for like, or do you need to mold it slightly because of the slight nuance of your own business model?
1: Um, well, the stuff, the stuff we, the only thing that confused me about your question was, um, how do I build authority internally? Do you mean me as a leader or do you mean,
0: uh, authority they, agency? yeah, yeah. So the, the, the authority agency ethos, I'm wondering yeah. how you push that down internally. And do you push that down? You know, cause you're pushing it outwards into the, into the ether and that's how you're getting yeah. clients and they follow that process. Do you do the same internally? Yeah. Cause I could see how the exact same process should work for you as it does for your clients. Right.
1: Definitely. So the only thing I would say that is different is it's actually not so hard to market to and sell to agency owners. Like agency owners uh, are amazing, amazing people and they're very, very open. Um, and there's not loads of cynicism. Hardest people to mm. sell to, I would say, in this world of marketing directors of big brands. Because yeah, they've they've been they've been <laughs> sold to their whole life. They know exactly what's going on. Don't open your emails, won't reply to your emails. Yeah. So that's hard. And and that's obviously what we do for our bigger clients. That's what we have to do. We have to get meetings with the CMO of John Lewis or Unilever Mm. or Mm. people Mm. like that. That's hard, right? Mm. Um, And that needs authority. Whereas with agency owners, uh, a very, very uh, tight-knit community, very supportive community, very open community, and actually not very hard to to connect with people and and share value with. So I would say as much as we do do, – you know, we do the same strategies, it's probably a bit easier for us, I would say. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah But yeah. Our, mod, our model is pretty simple. So we have, as we're a new business agency for bigger agencies, we have our strategy, the same strategy we teach the smaller agencies in our coaching program. And if we find something in the coaching program that's working, we might take it and experiment up here. And if we find something in in uh, the stuff we're doing with our done for you clients, we take it and we teach it to our coaching team. So it's sort of very, it is very meta. Like it's all, it's all the same system.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So uh, I want to get back to something you talked about before, ChatGPT. It's, I think, it's the clubhouse of, yeah, it's like, whatever, we're like a year or whatever, two years on, it feels like it's the new shiny thing that everyone's all over. Uh, do you remember clubhouse do you remember that thing i do do. that was insane that was insane no
1: but the the problem with clubhouse is after a while after like two weeks i was just in clubhouses about how to get big on clubhouse and it just it just became (laughs) where where does it end too much yeah where does that end then
0: yeah yeah interesting it's funny i follow this guy on instagram (laughs) i don't follow him i keep getting fucking served him because i like like loads of food stuff this is totally off topic but it's kind of similar and he makes burritos and he's gotten to the stage now where he's run out of ideas, and all he does is make burritos and put them in a blender and make a new burrito out of it. And I'm like, when the fuck does this end, dude? Like, how far down this infinite fucking matrix with Neo are you gonna get? Like, this is insane. Anyway, wow, I need to follow that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. So, ChatGPT, um, you've been talking about it recently. I saw something yeah. through one of the newsletters that I'm signed up to. So, what, yeah, you talked about it before. What, what's your overall take? And, you know, yeah, do you believe it's the death of certain jobs and certain people or agencies? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's the death of certain jobs. I'm I'll
1: start with this. I'm incredibly impressed. Uh, I mean, like there's nothing, there's nothing that um, as far as I can tell, there's nothing that chat GPT can't really do um that is not incredibly impressive. I, I would also lump mid journey into this as well, the AI uh, design tool. Yeah, I think yeah, both of them together. Point. Yeah. I think both of them together are the sort of things I was expecting to see in about five years' time. <laughs> Obviously, I'm not a futurist, right? But um, yeah, I, I was expecting to see those things in about five years' time. So I'm incredibly pressed, um, and and it kind of ruined my content strategy for January because my whole point <laughs> in January was going to be about you know AI is going to erode deliverables, it's going to erode the hands work we're doing, it's going to make us. If you thought like offshore um, cheaper agencies uh in Asia or parts of India that were going to come in with good quality work but low prices were gonna erode your profit margin, AI is going to do that twice as badly. Yeah. So that was what I was going to talk about all over January. And then this happened and it felt like, well, obviously, dude. So I had to sort of rewrite most of the stuff or we had to rewrite most of the stuff. I think I like I said before, like agencies need to stop thinking about how they can sell more deliverables and have to think about how they can sell more strategy. Mm-hmm. And the really uh Agencies that I, I really think are in danger are those that don't do much thinking. So the simplest way I can, I can, uh, split this out is by saying we talk about having brief takers and brief makers. So brief taking agencies, super reliable, safe pair of hands, clients can chuck stuff at them. <clears throat> it'll get done to a good quality on time yep. every time. It'll be perfect, but they don't think. Mm-hmm. So brief makers <clears throat> will be thinking about this client has this result in mind. The work we're doing right now could work but actually we're missing a massive opportunity here which is going to help them to get to that result that's mm-hmm. strategy that's proactive mm-hmm. strategy <clears throat> every agency needs to be a brief making agency it needs to be proactively thinking about strategy and if you can be, get to a position where you do more um strategy or more thinking for your clients and less doing i think that's going to serve you really really well uh, so one of the things uh, a great way to do this for example like i said we have a coaching program we actually went coaching program first then agency A lot of agencies now are thinking, how can we spin out a coaching program at the back for clients that can't really afford our work, but need Mm -hmm. the results that we can get Mm -hmm. them? And I think if that doesn't distract you from your main marketing activities and the rest of the business, if you can add that, layer that on top without the detriment of anything else, do that now, because that is going to be a great scalable revenue stream with zero deliverables.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think that that's an interesting point, Mm -hmm. because it gets to that kind of commoditized educational piece that you can spin out, right? And you can scale that relatively quickly, right? You can have group sessions, it can be gated, ungated, it can be, you know, it could be a lead gen tool, it can be a revenue tool. Yeah, I think that that, that's, that's super interesting. So I'm curious, then chat gbt aside maybe maybe it's part of it like what do you think are the biggest challenges facing agencies and i appreciate the agency landscape is broad as we discussed before Mm. but like generally within the client base you you sort of your environment what are the big challenges that they're facing coming into this year
1: differentiation being different so so differentiation and positioning like 2.0 if you said positioning 1.0 is like these are the services we do right that's the what um then agencies got smart and they were like okay fine if the what is saturated we can do the what for who so we can say we're an ad agency but only for restaurants and for a little bit of time for about 18 months that gave people a bit of respite because it was like well you've got a bit of a blue ocean there you've got a bit of space everyone's done that now so like i even know agencies that are purely ads for festivals and events in the uk even they have competition so every niche is getting as crowded. And so just thinking about who you serve isn't good enough. And the, the challenge we have now is differentiation. So the way I look at that now is, is talk more about how you do it. Mm-hmm. So people used to, like three or four years ago, there was this big thing about, let's talk about why we do what we do as a company. And that's kind of boring. Because it's like all about <laughs> Straight you.
0: Straight from Cinex fucking Playboy. Yeah, it's right? and you yeah, know
1: yeah, what, yeah. I, I I drank I drank Cinex Kool-Aid for a while, dude. And I, I still like the guy. Like I really yeah. don't wanna I really don't wanna to talk him down but why is dead and is boring especially in the agency space because you know how many times can you can you spin out a new why for an agency yeah it's just I, I think it's did. all
0: it's all bullshit like there is no like let's be honest like <laughs> i think there's a we we did a lot of it at the old agency we tried, we tried to come up with this raise on and then we got to the point where we're like what the fuck are we doing like we don't have <laughs> one we're just like we really love doing what we're doing it's as simple as that we like working with clients like i wouldn't say like do we wake up every day and like want to be with the client like that's not true and anyone who says that is fucking full of shit right so i i totally agree i think the why is it's it's a nice to have but i think what you're talking about there makes way more sense it's more important
1: yeah and and the problem is most people are trying to manufacture a why so um which is completely crazy so how do you do what you do <clears throat> and that's not just like we have a three-step approach and we get to know you and we do this i mean like detailed how like what's your philosophy why yeah. is it different detail exactly how you do your stuff. Like the posts that are going viral on LinkedIn today, they were they're more in depth than like white papers were three years ago, yeah, 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 right yeah. the people have taken this concept of lifting the lid and opening the bonnet, and they've gone mental with it, yeah. and so you have to be incredibly open about your process, how you do what you do, give tons of value um and just be really open with that. And that is how you differentiate. That's how you get reach on LinkedIn in twenty twenty three is you go deep into your process. And I know what everyone's thinking. They're thinking, oh, but if I do that, my competitors is going to steal our process. Dude, if your process isn't different in three months' time, then you really are not fixing your process well enough. So by the time someone has stolen it, you've moved on. Okay? So that's. I think the, the challenge is differentiation. The answer is be much, much deeper in your how, and you'll start to find a lot of reach.
0: Yeah, I think that that's a really interesting point, especially around the kind of like... Um the people stealing the ideas because it gets back to some of the positioning stuff and the personality you're talking about, right? If you're like, your brand is good, people will want to be around you, right? You create this gravitational pull, you know, and exactly, if the, obviously the, the how and what you're talking about is super, super important, but if something, if your competitors got it and you haven't got it as good a brand or that presence as them, then, you know, that'll trump yeah. it. All, yeah. 100%, the week, right? hundred percent. Um. I'm keen to learn. I, w- I want to ask two questions as kind of like to round it out. First off, this cool. is a bit of a technical one, but I'm keen to get this because this is something that like in the agency landscape we don't talk about as much. What's your tech stack internally? What do you use? You, Asana, Notion, ah. what's your stack? Dude, Notion, man. So Notion. Um,
1: yeah, yes. We. So my wife is actually our COO um, yep. and um, I'm terrible with process. So if it was just me, we'd probably be doing like email <laughs> as a management tool but yeah, um nice. Kira's is very hot in the process and, and we do everything on notion and as far notion. as i can tell there's nothing you can't really do on notion so uh literally everything is on notion
0: nice. what about you man i i'm i i moved my life to notion uh yeah so like as in literally like i'm, I'm looking at it now it's like tim's <laughs> life is in notion and it's got like a life section and then it's got my work work is kind of life i suppose as sad as that is um, yeah. But yeah, every everything's in there. My only additional thing is I've got an app, and you know, there's a whole thing of like Notion nerds on YouTube. Like, there's a whole YouTube no. world really? of Notion. Yeah, and a lot of them are sponsored by Notion. There's a really cool. Mm. Uh, I think she's an engineer at Google, and she's like a Notion influencer. Her videos are super nice, and she's got like all of these free templates. It's it's insane. But, so, Isaac, uh, by
1: the way, just quickly on that, I think Notion did the b2b influencer thing better than anyone else and they did it early and i can't believe more saas companies aren't like jumping on that like they totally. should be influencers all over linkedin for totally
0: saas but yeah totally. Sorry, yeah I, a... I i totally agree but yeah the 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 other thing that i find uh with my workflow is that i have a thing called todoist on my phone and that's for the for, for the really really quick ideas and then then my life is in notion i just need to transfer those ideas into notion and then they go into the workflow so yeah nice. that, that's kind of it but yeah so, google suite obviously like i got gmail and
1: oh and yeah like yeah so but i'm a much bigger fan of zoom like we do loads of meetings so i hate i hate gmeets for some reason Greed, um, yeah. and i think i i use i use uh, the uh, iphone notes thing all the time i got yeah, notes nice. coming out coming out my ears so that sounds like what you use todoist for
0: Yes, exactly. The, the, uh, you should check out to do us because it's just the user interface. The UX is just a little bit slicker, a little bit yeah. slicker. Yeah, it's nice. good. Right. Final question: um, What's the best piece of advice you'd give to somebody embarking on an agency journey in 2023?
1: I mean, how long you got, dude?
0: <laughs> well, it can be. Don't <laughs> no, start they, an agency. S-
1: <laughs> no, no. I think I think starting an agency is good. Um, I think. I think you have to prioritize, before you think about your, how are going to get loads of clients and how you're going to do your marketing and how you're going to position yourself, I think it's think about how can you get as close to 100% guaranteed results every time with a client. So think about what, if you if you're going to start an agency, say it's a social agency or it's an ads agency, don't think about clients, think about results and think about how can I basically get as close to. success rate as I possibly can and then find a few clients and scale from there but I see too many agencies trying to scale and they haven't got their delivery system they haven't got their results system and I just think it's a little bit on the irresponsible side to do that so figure out your results system first then think about clients and then scale from there
0: yeah nice I think that's great advice Ollie it was a pleasure to talk to you thank you for coming on the pod
1: you too thanks so much
0: There you go, folks. Thanks so much for joining me. Before I go, a quick word for my sponsor, Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. If you want to learn more, go visit them at klaviyo.com your basket is empty. And as always, if you like the episode, please leave a review, subscribe, download, and tell all your mates to do exactly the same. I'll see you next time.